and welcome to the Geek and Spiel podcast, uh, where we talk about games, movies, and pop culture. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I'm Jacob. I'm Jeff. And I'm Emily. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about. For one thing, it is about mid-September right now, and we wanted to finally finish our conversation about Dice Tower Con that happened, what, over two and a half months ago? Three months ago? <laughs> yeah, just a bit. We've been, we've been super busy here, and uh, specifically there's two things we wanted to talk about there, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I thought maybe we could start off uh, with an announcement. So, again, this year, Geek and Spiel will be participating uh, in the Extra Life Game Day event. That's going to be November 4th to 5th. This is where we're going to game for 24 hours straight in support of Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. You can donate to anyone who's playing. Uh, I'll be playing. Anita will be working that weekend, but she will also participate as well. And uh, Emily, I believe you and Sean will be joining us. Mm-hmm. And Jeff, you're up in the air at the moment, right? Yes, I'll try to figure something out, but uh, it's up in the air again. Hashtag make Jeff play. Cool, got it. <laughs> uh, next weekend is Extra Life's uh, tabletop, uh, I guess, appreciation day. It's kind of a pre-event to get people pumped up specifically for tabletop games so uh, I know I'm probably going to try and get some games in there I'm going to talk to some local game stores see if they can uh, donate and and bring attention because here in Augusta where we live we have a Children's Miracle Network hospital it's the hospital where Anita works Uh, it is Children's Hospital of Georgia it services people from all over the area it's probably the largest one outside of Atlanta and people from South Carolina come there. And actually, with Hurricane Irma coming by, they evacuated a lot of children from Savannah and Florida to Anita's hospital. And so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a big deal. That's that's what I like to think. Uh, but also, I'll be seeing if we can donate money also to Texas Children's Hospital, which is the children's hospital in Houston, because the hurricanes this season have been just awful. And that's where I'm signed up too. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah, they've been ridiculous. So I thought we'd do a little catch-up spiel here. I want to talk about things we've seen, games we've played. Uh, I thought we could start off with Jeff because it's been a while. What have you been playing? Usually I get together with my friends for a weekly game night. One night we decided to play uh, a game that recently came out from Kicks, that Kickstarter delivered out. It's uh, by Simon uh, Unlimited, called Massive Darkness. It took us from 7 p.m. to uh, just about 2 a.m. to uh, oh finish God. playing one of the quests. But wow! Yeah, but what happened was we played the uh, introduction and then we right, went right into the first quest. It is a fully cooperative game, uh, very much like Zombie Side. Except that it's it's got a little more meat to it than that. And you can play it as a continual uh, campaign, which is actually really interesting. So it's horror-themed? It's more of a fantasy theme, kind of like uh, Zombicide Black Plague. Oh, but okay. instead of having zombies, you have your generic orcs, dwarves, uh, demons, things of that nature. Each turn, like in Zombicide, everyone has a certain amount of points, actions that they can do. They go around, kill stuff, loot treasure, and whatnot. And uh, each quest has a different objective that they have to complete. I liked it a lot, and everyone that played actually said that they really did like it. So we're definitely going to do the continual campaign. 
and uh, just see where it goes from there. Yeah, I'll definitely try and get a review uh, done. I have an unboxing video that I've been kind of putting off. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Very nice. Uh, M, what, anything you want to talk about? Yeah, um, there's two games in particular. So with Hurricane Irma, I had several friends come up from Florida to evacuate. And so we basically had our own game marathon during this week. Um, and But one game in particular, we lost power for about a day. And so we lit up all the candles. We had one flashlight that we um, hung from our ceiling. Like, um, well, that's safe. What do you call it? Uh, <laughs> not like chandelier. Okay, sorry. Um, so we hung, and it was it wasn't even a full flashlight. It was one of those headlamps that you wear on your forehead. You know. What I'm oh my about? god! Like you're a miner or something. Yes. So we yes. hung that from the chandelier, and then we had all these candles, and it was the perfect setting to bring out Dead of Winter. So we played Dead of Winter by candlelight. And it was awesome. Now, you, it was um, the longest night version, right? Yes. And what we didn't, so the two people I played with have never played Dead of Winter. So we didn't add the expansions because Dead of Winter on its own is a lot to take in. So we held off from the expansions, which this is, I think I've only played the expansions once. And we did like the intro story with it. So I'm really anxious to really play through the expansions and start um, really working with those mechanics a lot more, but it was just awesome. We had to hold each card up with candle to read it. And it was the perfect setting. Um, another game that has constantly been on the table is deception. Oh, that's awesome. I think that is really starting to become the social deduction game that we play. You know, it used to be werewolf or, um, even games like Burke's Gambit, but I think deception is now starting to become, Oh, we want to play a social deduction game? Let's play Deception. Oh, that's awesome. Emily, you and I played this actually just last night with uh, Anita and Sean and Caitlin and Luke. And that was six people. And we played it with your friends who are up from Florida, and that was about five people. Shout out to Amy and Brooke. We, we noticed something, though. And Jeff, you've played this. Have you played this game a lot outside of Dice Tower Con? No, I actually haven't. I played it once. It fell really flat, but... Uh, had a lot more fun with it at Dice Tower. Con. How many people did you play with at at home? Um, I think we played with eight. Oh, okay, oh. interesting. Because we're thinking that five and six, it people solved it really quickly, mm -hmm. or they just couldn't figure it out. It was it, it it didn't work as well as as at Dice Tower Con, and we think it's because of the player count because we weren't able to add in any of the special people like the witness or or accomplice. Uh, I still enjoy it a lot. And when you have a lot of people, there's a lot more cards on the table. So it's not as clear. You know, when you have less, when you have four or five people with cards out, it's you have less cards to work with. It's pretty easy to figure out which two cards really fit the clues that you, the um, forensic scientist gives. So the more people, the more cards are out. And I feel like there was a lot more discussion. I feel like the past couple of times we've played with a small amount of people, it's been just very, oh, that's obviously it. Yeah. And then mm. There's only one time in recent games where there was actually some confusion, and which is what makes the game super fun. So the game I want to talk about is a little game called 
The Networks, which I picked up from uh, from Formal Ferret Games at Dice Tower Con back in July, and got the copy signed by creator Gil Hova. Finally got to play it with mm-hmm. Anita and Emily and Sean. So in the networks, you are a network executive. You have three time slots. You're trying to build up the most viewers by the end of five seasons. Uh, you buy shows. Some shows need stars. Some shows need advertisements. Some shows need both. Uh, at the end of every round, you have to either pay if they're expensive or you get money if there's a lot of ads. And then you get to calculate how many viewers you have. And uh, the viewers go down for each show. So if you have a show on for too long, you'll get less and less viewers depending on the show. And we talked about this game a bit. The cards are very funny. They they reference you know people and shows and characters. Um, like there's there's a there's a game there's one making fun of Lost. It's called Found. There's one like making fun of Glee. It's called Flea. And it's just like these this great art. It's a it's a fun little game. So we, we played it, and it just took us a minute to figure it out, uh, to get into it. But once we did, it's, it did take a while, the game. Longer than I thought it would. And in the end, I, I really enjoyed it. When we lost power, we decided we were also going to play a game. So Anita and I pulled out the networks, and we did the two-player version, which works a little differently. And what happens is every third turn, a certain amount of cards get removed completely from the game. So it makes the turns go quicker. And uh, it was, mm-hmm. at first I thought, you know, that Anita was going to just have a complete blowout, but I caught up at the end, and I'm, I was glad to see that there is a way to catch up, because when we played with four people, it looked like some people were just zooming far ahead, and there was no way to catch up. Like, Anita was really far behind and had a hard time catching up to everyone else, so I didn't know if that would be some kind of, like, inherent flaw in the game, but luckily it doesn't look like that. Uh, the game's a lot of fun. It's It's... Uh, fun to try and figure out, you know, the best way to get viewers. It's fun to look at these cards and see what everyone else gets. Uh, and so what I did is I backed the Kickstarter for the next expansion, which is still live now, and I'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, I backed it so that it comes with the mini expansion that came out. And Because I think this game is totally worth your time playing if you're into that kind of thing. The theme's a lot of fun. The art's a lot of fun. Uh, M, what do you think? And then, Jeff, I know you've, you've played and sampled it too, and we talked about it. Well, now, so when you play two players, so part of the game is you have those different genres of TV shows. Um, Like I know when we played our four player version, I was going for the drama um, TV shows and extras and actors and things like that. When you played two player, did you find yourself also kind of trying to stick with one genre or were you doing just whatever's best for those time slots? It was a little bit of both. I took the strategy of doing that a lot more than Anita did. Anita did sci-fi. She got three sci-fi shows, and then she got five sci-fi shows, so she got to do those bonuses. But I did it three separate times with three different genres because there was more chance to do that. So she didn't focus on it as much, and I think that's what helped push me ahead a little bit. Um, I think this game is another great example of how important theme is to a game, especially when you're playing with people who don't aren't really familiar with board games. I know all four of us are very familiar with board games, but I could easily see you pulling out this game and getting people who don't really play a lot of board games invested in it because they can access the theme because it's making fun of those popular TV shows and, you know, people love TV. So I, I, I love the game. I love the theme. I love the mechanics of the game. I felt like it was new. It was fresh. So I'm anxious to play it again. 
I demoed this at Dice Tarot Con with the uh, woman who was from the second season of uh, King of the Nerds and the animatronic uh, engineer for Universal. So kind I'm sorry, of... I can't get over how cool that is. I know. I was like, I want to make robots. Uh, she and I were starting, uh, starting the demo, and Gil comes over and says, "Oh, I actually didn't show this to you." And he flips over the board to the two-player variant, and is, and we were both just like, <laughs> "Oh," because he didn't have time to go over it with her. But I actually really liked the two-player variant there. I thought it was really interesting how you got rid of the cards. I think it is one of those games that you can introduce to newer players, but I'd say it's probably closer to like a mid-range game rather than like a beginning like King of Tokyo or uh, Lanterns or something like that. It's uh, It has a little more meat to it. I would agree it is a little, a little, little crunchier, like they say. It's, it's kind of overwhelming to look at the board and go, oh god, what am I doing? But... You know, once you taught someone Lanterns or King of Tokyo or something a little more intensive, I think it's a step. That's for sure. It's a big step, but I, I don't think it's... Yes. I don't think it'll, it's it's going to be completely overwhelming, but you are right. I, I agree with that. Yeah, it's probably like the second or third game that you introduce. Right after that, you introduce them to Twilight Imperium 4. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong, right? Right. Did you end up buying that? No, I didn't. I am not. Good. No, because it's a coffin box and uh, space is limited here. On Friday, we uh, uh, we had a small game night, so I broke out two smaller uh, lightweight games. One, actually brand new, uh, another uh, Gen Con or like just before Gen Con release, uh, Okie Dokie. Have you ever heard of that? No. It is a cooperative game where you are trying to build an orchestra with animals oh my gosh that sounds awesome it is adorable it is it was a lot of fun it's definitely on the lighter fair where basically you have to play cards uh, from low to high and then you have some cards to reset which is the conductor who is a panda Oh, yes. Absolute yes. Must have this game. We lost both times that we played, but uh, it was a very interesting game. I'm definitely going to have to break this out with my uh, uh, karate group, actually, because we're going to be planning on uh, doing an introductory game night. So, going to see where that goes. And, sorry, but the second game that I played is extremely stupid but so much fun you had me at extremely stupid (laughs) (laughs) it's called strike it's not available in the u.s it's uh by the publisher ravensburger if you ever listened to the rolling dice and take names podcast they recently had a tournament in uh, gen con to see whether it is dice in a bowl or gladiators in arena The way that the game works is that it's a pure push-your-luck game. You're taking dice and throwing them into this uh, bowl-like object, which is actually the box itself, which is awesome. And you get dice back by making pairs or by getting the same number. 
and whoever is the last man standing as lim dice get eliminated and you just keep on chucking more dice into it is going to be the winner. It is so, so, so stupid. You'd think that it would not be fun, but you're totally invested in it. Whenever someone chucks that dice and you're like, yeah, you want to roll one, one more, right? One more, right? One more, right? Oh, let's go one more. Okay. And just, it's hilarious. It is a fun game. We have to play that, Jacob. Eventually. I'm looking at it right now online. It is essentially a box filled with dice. And it has like a little arena thing, like a little purple bottom and gold around. And yeah, yeah, I'm all about it. <laughs> and dice games can be so much fun. Speaking oh, of which, yeah. dice games, um, do you want to talk about what you played last night for the first time? Oh, yeah. Um, so we played, was it Elder? Elder Signs. Signs? Yeah. Elder Signs, um, which is a Cthulhu dice game where we are trying to collect Elder Signs by playing a Yahtzee-style dice game where we're at different locations to get these Elder Signs. We're trying not to have Doom tokens come out. And our Cthulhu, are they considered gods? Cthulhu? Yeah, they're elder gods. Kind of, yeah, like Elder awaken type things yeah um so it was a lot of fun i even though i um did not roll many great dice i felt like you know it, it was funny that first round where it felt like i was the last one to go and everyone was just rolling these awesome dice rolls they were getting elder signs they were getting spells and weapons and i was like yeah we're gonna do it and then my turn comes around and nothing happens. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you, you don't even know. It was hysterical. <laughs> Luke goes, conquers a card. Caitlin goes, conquers a card. I go, conquer a card. Sean goes, conquer a card. Emily goes, wah, wah, just rolls, just busts completely. It was. And you know, and, and you know, I thought maybe it was just the first time. You know, the second time because again, everyone had great rolls, and I was like, okay, it's all, it's gonna happen. I'm gonna do something. <laughs> And again, nothing. I was a nice little holder because um, through the game, whenever you go to one of those locations, are they location cards? What what are yeah, what like would you consider those cards? I guess. Okay. Yeah, locations or rooms. Each location card, you put your little character piece, and your character can hold dice for other people, which comes in handy as you are trying to defeat certain things, and so. Um, my head was pretty, came in handy several times, um, but I did not personally conquer any cards. So, but it was, it's a lot of fun. Um, so this is my second Cthulhu inspired game and, um, it wasn't pandemic Cthulhu. I just felt like it was hopeless every single time we've played. Like we never, we never do well. And this one, I mean, everyone around me was doing well. So that was a nice change. Um, I guess I'm just personally not ever going to be good at a Cthulhu game. I guess that's what it is. It's unusual. I did something to upset the Cthulhu gods, I guess. It's it's unusual because this game is not easy. It's it's not supposed to have gone as well as it did yesterday. Yeah, see here, you guys ran out all the luck in the dice. So when it came to M's turn, she jeffed it up. <laughs> I like to think that I absorbed all the negative roles, all the bad roles. I absorbed them so that my team could thrive. You're a great support class. <laughs> <laughs> You're the healer. Get in the back. And and I choose that in many <laughs> games, so it kind of fit perfectly. 
I want to talk about uh, our experience a couple weekends ago uh, with the brand new Magic the Gathering Commander sets that came out. So, for those of you not familiar with Magic, uh, why are you listening to this podcast? You should at least have heard of it before. <laughs> uh, second of all, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it's it's a card game played with 60 card decks, and you're trying to beat each other up. Your your thing's called Planeswalkers. You have 20 life. You want to get them from 20 to zero. Now, Commander plays differently. You Instead of 60 cards, you have 100 cards, and you can't have any copies uh, more than one copy of any specific card other than the cards you use to, to put them into play, which are called lands. So the cool thing about this set was uh, usually they try to release a new set of them every year, and there's about five of them, and they are based off of usually color combinations or something unique. And this year they decided to go tribal. Now what tribal means in Magic is it's focused on one creature type. Because creatures are the main way you win the game most of the time by kind of attacking your opponent with them. So this year they decide they're only going to release four, and they're going to be tribal. They're going to be cats, vampires, dragons, and wizards. So our resident magic guru, Eric, who has done a lot of reviews for magic sets with me here, and uh, is usually the guy I turn to whenever I need to know anything about magic, he wanted to film us playing it. He wanted to film it, and we were going to release that online. Unfortunately, there were several issues with it, uh, one of which is that uh, the camera setup was getting really wonky. It ran out of batteries, and the game went way too long. Now, four-player <laughs> commander can do that. If you're playing in competitive setting, it actually won't go that long because people build these ridiculous decks and the thing's over in a turn or three. If you're playing casually like this, it can go on for a while because you have four different players taking their time to, to do things. But something about this one just dragged. And when you say something about this, do you mean the fact that our play area kept getting bombed? Or <laughs> so, 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 yeah, that's exactly what I mean. So, and Eric, if you're listening to this, um, I hate you. No, uh, so, so this is really funny, and and this is kind of retrospect. So. Emily, you wanted this because of cats. Cats, yes. I mean, say yes, no more. That, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is how it is. Uh, Eric and I wanted to be dragons. But the only way we can get a fourth player, Eric's brother George, was to let him play dragons. And guess what? Originally, he wanted to play cats. Look, I don't blame him. Uh, eventually, it came with between Eric and I, who's going to play vampires and who's going to play wizards. And I should have said, give me the wizards, Eric. Give me the wizards. <laughs> You're a wizard. But No. I wanted to play vampires, so I got to play vampires, which were a lot of fun. You've been playing Dracula too much. <laughs> and then Eric found out that the wizard deck was the most ludicrous thing on the face of the planet, and this turned into a slog fest. Basically, it would be M would play a card, put a creature down or something, then it would come to me, and I would make like a bunch of vampires out of nowhere, because that's what I can do, and then it would go to George, and he'd be like, play a land pass because he couldn't play any of his dragons because they were just enormously expensive and all different colors of mana. And then it would go to Eric, and Eric would look at his cards and say, nah, wipe the board, play something, and just destroy everything. <laughs> and we're looking around, we're like, okay, I guess we're at square one. And just rinse rinse and repeat. Uh, M puts her commander out. Uh, I play, you know, my another vampire that brings another vampire out, and I get life from everyone. And then George plays a super scary dragon. And then Eric looks around and says, you know what, let's do that again. Wipe the board. 
over and over and over. Just, just, uh, it was, at first it was kind of funny and then it got really frustrating. (laughs) So we all started targeting him, but we had trouble killing him because he kept wiping the board. See here, blue is a horrible color for horrible people. It is. Eric, you're a horrible person. Oh, but the wizard deck isn't just straight blue. It's blue, black, red, the most evil of the colors. <laughs> so <laughs> so it was just like, and I, by the way, I, I'm saying this like it's all Eric's fault, which it's not. Because on my end, I just kept stealing life from everyone and gaining it. I think I had, you start a, a commander game with 40 life, I think. And I think at one point I had 80. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just... I was like, oh, we chipped away his extra life. Yeah, I'm like, oh, no, you brought me down to 40 again. Um, Overall, uh, I would recommend. I enjoyed these very much. This was your typical game of magic. And uh, the thing is, I really really did enjoy them. I would want to play them again um, because I feel like we didn't didn't plan for the time. Mm -hmm. We had to cut it short. We had other stuff we had to get to. We were playing it for, what, three hours? Mm, yeah, I think so. Around that, and uh, maybe more of a one-on-one or or three verses would probably be a little more manageable. Uh, but but and this is every time you kind of start getting into magic, some crazy stuff happens. So, are you still into trying this? Because I am. I think okay. it's just. I think what it is is I just feel like there's such a long break between when I play. So then I feel like I have to relearn how to play. And then I've just, I just, there's so many other people who play magic that know so much more about the game and like, like things that they can do. And so I just always feel like the underdog playing and I'm like, "Mm, I guess I'll do this. And I'm also, I was very attached to my cat, so I didn't want to play them because I didn't want them to go away. So it was just not. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you were, you were playing around the around Eric's destroy everything. Yeah. But I mean, I would still love to play. I I still want to get into it. I just it's kind of like I feel like I'll never really know how to successfully play. <laughs> you will. It takes time. It's a complex game. You're playing with people who've been playing for years, and 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 both Eric and his brother George know much more than I ever will know. Um, so it, it just takes time. I think you need more one-on-one stuff maybe instead of like four versus commander, uh, or like do a pre-release I feel like I need again. to go to like magic camp and just like play nonstop. And, <laughs> there was something you know. yesterday. There was a, there was a open house actually for magic and they were doing one at Cardboard Castle where you could, uh, you, you got a brand new deck and you learned how to play and, uh, that would have been, that would have been good to do. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I told you after the fact. Yeah. Uh, In conclusion, I got tons of messages from Eric saying how much he absolutely loved that wizard deck. And then he he decided to make a deck kind of based around it. So now he's been building a new he hasn't been doing his commander decks in a while, but now he's kind of it kind of reinvigorated him. So I'm glad that happened. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, Jeff! You should have seen the glee on his face every turn when he looked at his cards in his hands and just like started cackling evilly. It was just—it's uh. uh. that—it's that kind of like joy of being evil you get sometimes. <laughs> it was—it was, oh, yes. was beautiful, is what it was. I hated him. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time for us to start talking about the two things from Dice Tower Con we wanted to talk about, and those are uh, the Smash Up tournament. A mega game. 
So, first off, Smash Up Tournament. We decided to do something fun uh, with Geek and Spiel there. We decided, why don't we host a tournament for Smash Up? I thought this would be a really cool idea. We would bring the Smash Up set, because there's got to be, what, over 50 factions now? Just about. Just about. Just about. Uh, and, and what we do is we create a tournament setting, and people would play. Actually, let me start off real quick. Smash Up is a game where there's a bunch of little decks of cards, 20-card decks of different factions, and they're all very geek-oriented factions, very kind of pop culture factions. There's a pirates, there's a wizards, there's a ninjas, zombies. Magical horses. Magical horses, which are uh, similar to but legally distinct from My Little Pony. Um, a whole set that's actually just like that, things that are making fun of Transformers, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Star Trek. Uh, there's a teddy bear faction that just came out, dragons. Sharknado. Sharknado. <laughs> the sharks and a tornadoes, which you can combine to make Sharknado. And kitty cats. Kitty cats. Kitty cats. And what you can do is you take two of these factions randomly and just smash them together into one deck. And what you're doing is you're trying to blow up these bases using little minions. And you can also use actions. And if you're into magic, it's actually a lot like that in a lot of ways. And so you can play up to four people per group. So what we did is uh, I got some score sheets, laminated them, got some base sheets, laminated them. Jeff lent me some cubes from his uh, Century Spice Road game, which worked out really well. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. They fit perfectly. We had a total of 16 people. We actually had overflow. We had over 30 people sign up to play. Mm -hmm. And uh, luckily, just enough people showed up. I think we only had to turn one person away. I felt very bad about that. But we had 16 people play, and they were playing for uh, first, second, and third, and fourth. And what we did is I created prizes for everyone. If you were the top winners, you were going to get cool stuff in gift cards of varying amounts. If you were one of the fourth or third place winners and somewhere else, you got the tickets you could use for the raffles they had at the con. You know, just a consolation prize. Thanks for playing. Hope you had fun. And so... What we did is we let everyone pick from a, what's it called, a snake draft. So the very first person picks their faction, it goes down the line, and then starting from that last person, they pick their second one, going back to the first. This is the way that AEG, the company that makes Smash Up, suggested that we run it. We held two rounds, so we had four random people playing against each other in four different tables, and then the first place from each of those tables played their own game, second place their own game, and so on and so forth. I made a little video about this for the website, but I cannot export it from the application that makes the video. And I don't know why, and it's frustrating me because I spent a lot of time on it. I also have some photos and some stuff I wrote down, but I have not yet posted it online. But I will hopefully get that done soon because I thought it was really neat. So I really enjoyed running this. I enjoyed running this a lot more than I thought I would. I, I usually like to host things, but this turned out to be a lot of fun. We met some great people there. Uh, we saw people really enjoy themselves. Uh, this is where we met Brandon and Janus. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I wanted to get your guys' opinions on this. Is this something you enjoy doing? Would you do it again next year? Would you change anything? Are you sick of Smash Up? I absolutely loved it and would totally do it again next year. Um, it was just neat to see so many different types of players we had younger players, older players, people who weren't really into board games, like weren't, didn't have a lot of experience, people who knew Smash Up and knew it well. And it was just a really fun atmosphere. It wasn't, it was 
friendly and competitive. Like no one was getting like angry or upset. Everyone was just having fun and it was neat to facilitate that. Um, and it was neat to, I don't know, just have so many like-minded people in a room playing a game and all kind of contribute to that. I actually loved it too. It was uh, a lot of fun watching everybody. I would have liked to participate in it, but yeah. then again, uh, but w if anything, one thing I would have changed was actually we had like people brought in like their own sets of smash up. So what one thing we could have actually done was had one one set per table and then like what like had them choose the sets from there. And then from there, go to the, uh, whoever first goes to the table and then have them pick their own factions again. It might've been a little bit, actually might've been a little bit faster cause the snake draft did, that seemed to take a little while. The way we did the snake draft was clearly a mistake that we did not anticipate. It took way too long. Uh, we gave people way too much time to look through the factions and pick them. Most people familiar with the games, they weren't uh, as up to date on all like the brand new factions because they release what two to three sets a year. Yeah. So they were like, "Oh, what's this? What's that?" And we gave them time to look through them, and that was a mistake. And I think next year, if we were to do it, we would have a sheet that printed out that everyone could be looking at that says what each faction is and what their kind of main focus is, and say that you got to pick like that before we get to you. Hmm. Because time is a factor. We had to give that room up for other people. We had to kick... Um, who, do we, who do we end up kicking out from there? Uh, oh, with Richard Lanius. Yes. Oh, my God. I felt so Game horrible. Creator Richard Lanius was in that room, and, and I felt bad because he was just finishing up showing a game to a group of people. He had the room, and I'm just kind of like watching him. I'm like, I'm sorry, Richard Lanius. We need to do a Smash-Up tournament. Uh, <laughs> I felt so bad. <laughs> I know. I felt really bad. But, uh, but we, we had to do it. Yeah, as I say, we have the we, had the, we had the room. I mean, get the hell out, Richard Lanius. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Richard Lanius. And we shared the room with a Sagarda. Is that the game? Sagarda. Ah, uh, yes, the game that eluded me, Dice Tower Con. And the guy who was running the tournament, you know, he he gave me his information. We wanted to learn the game. We never got around to it, but uh, we'll find it. Uh, he was running a tournament there too, and uh, so I, you know, we we worked out really well together because I said, "Let me know if we're going to get too loud or anything." He's like, "You're fine, Jeff. You're right." A lot of people brought their own copies, and I I felt bad they didn't have to because they're huge. When you pr bring them in the big geeky box, it's this big heavy box. It's probably one of the heaviest things I have in the house mm -hmm. in terms of games, and I felt bad because they didn't need to bring them. But you're right; that way, other people could have used maybe the same faction, but. It might not have worked out like in the second round thing because then you're mixing up people's cards, but... What I was saying was uh, like either have them in different sleeves or like uh, have them pick totally different factions on the second round. Oh, second oh, round. like like a refresh. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, so um, next time. Yeah, we'll have to think about that more when that comes up. That's that's smart. ha <laughs> One of the big problems with Smash Up is some factions will end up overpowering others. And the person mm -hmm. who won the game, and by the way, I have their names down here. So our third place winner, his name was Josh. Josh created these really cool 
wooden card holders. Oh, yes, that we still use today. We purchased them from him. He was selling them there. They're these great, like, long wooden things. You can put cards, and they stand up. And they're, they're just nice to look at, and they really kind of keep you from having to hold the cards the whole time. He played rock stars and dragons, and I know that those are two incredibly powerful factions. Our third place was a gentleman named Steven. He played zombies and mythic horses. <laughs> also incredibly powerful factions, because mythic horses just get bigger and bigger the more people you have out, and zombies are, uh, they just keep coming out. <laughs> they just keep happening. And our first place was Rona. She played cyborg apes and mad scientists, which I think to this day is still the most powerful faction, because they both work off each other incredibly well. Yeah. That's also Anita's favorite combination. Yeah, it's an extremely powerful combination. And I think your idea, Jeff, would mitigate the skill the skill versus the luck of drawing the more powerful factions. Yeah, definitely. For example, this is this is interesting. The very last the person who from the who got in fourth place both times, he had super spies and ninjas. Now in my opinion, I think those are two really good factions, although ninjas can be a bit, you know, tricky. <laughs> I don't even remember. It was a it was it was a kid who just loved being a jerk at oh, the table. Yeah. But because oh, yeah. the cards let him do that and the very first game. Oh, he and played, he loved it. All three of them had just jerk factions and it the game went on forever because they were just doing take that, take that. It was hysterical to watch. They were having a blast, <laughs> I think. Anything else about this before we move to our uh, second Dice Tower Con topic? Nah, just that this was a lot of fun, and I hope that we do this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if and you're we... listening to this podcast and you're going to be at Dice Tower Con next year, come find us. We definitely want to run this again, maybe even more than once. We'll see. We'll learn from our mistakes. And we'll make all new ones. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, there will be no survivors. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. You wanted to make it out alive? Don't worry. <laughs> okay, so the second thing I want to talk about is the mega game. So Jeff came to us and said, I would like to do a mega game for the first time here because the Dice Tower crew will be participating in one. There was one called Future Tense. It was created by Liveware Lab. Yes, Liveware Lab. That was it. I think they're based out of New York, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I have to double check on that. But they run a bunch of games there, and Future Tense was one that they were working on. It was shorter than most. It was roughly about, what, three hours? Yeah, three hours versus, uh, like, it can usually run five to six. Wow, yeah. As we got closer to the event, I'm like, mm, you know what? I don't know. That's a lot of time to take out of from gaming and stuff. And uh, but then I'm like, you know what? No, let's do it. So, so what? I, what I want to do is not only do I want to talk about the mega game, but I would like to set the record straight because right now the only record I know out at the moment talking about our game is a Dice Tower podcast episode where where Eric Summer and Tom Bassel talk about the exact game that we were in. Yeah. And, and I would like to set some records straight about that. But before we <laughs> before we get to that, this is how the mega game works. We we all got to sign up to be with a with one of the dice tower individuals. Each of them was going to be on a separate team. Uh, Jeff, you you didn't have an opinion on who you wanted to be with, right? No, not really. 
But I did. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to be with Eric Summer because he is a voiceover guy. And so, uh, and he's, he's always seemed like the, I always liked his opinions. I wanted to get to, you know, be in a group with him. And luckily, Jeff, you and I got to. And yeah. we were in a team with, with him and a couple named Jeremy and Ashley. Mm-hmm. Now, the way this works is there's about eight teams of five. There's about 40 people total. And over the course of these three hours, you go through two rounds. The first round is a play phase followed by a planning phase. The play phase is each of us goes off and plays a game with everyone else from every other team. So, for example, Jeff, you played the... um, Let's see, which game was this? It was the... uh, I forgot the name of it, but it was the I Split You Choose... Yes, you were a negotiator, and you were playing in the conference room. You are playing an I-pick-you-choose-style negotiation game. Our commander, who uh, ended up being Jeremy, he went to play the com- the uh, a, a, an area control game in the map room. So he was up against Tom Vassell and other people trying to play a risk-style game. He was extremely aggressive. He was super aggressive, and we're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, <laughs> Ashley went to go play a gambling game uh, in a casino. Eric went to go be... Eric was a trader, not like where you're b- betraying people, but like a trader with a D, uh, trying to draft and get cards and resources in a game that was a lot like a game called Pit, which I never played, in the exchange. So Jeff and I show up, and we're the... I was the last one to the table, and we're trying to talk about who's going to play what, and thank God there was something there that I felt was right up my alley. And that was playing what they call an investigator, where you play a semi-cooperative negotiation and bidding game, much like you're playing a social deduction or trying to figure things out or trying to bid on stuff a little bit secretly while all also trying to come together as a group. It was it like like of all the games, I felt that was like especially suited for me. And luckily, nobody else wanted to do that one. So <laughs> I think we all tried to go to play to our strengths the best that we could. Just as a side note, two people from the Board Game Blitz podcast were also in the game. Amby was in, was in uh, your game. Yes. Uh, and Crystal was in mine. So, interesting note. And uh, Z Garcia was in mine as well. And, and, <laughs> and, and so, again, we'll talk about it in a second. But I just want to finish up the general idea of what this is. You play this game for about you know fifteen minutes or so, or and then you come back to your table and you talk about what happened. You you exchange resources you may have gotten like money or influence or or technology, which are all in these little cards, and then you you can then talk to people from anywhere and you can walk around anywhere and and kind of like make deals, talk to people, make arrangements. The game worked off victory points. Whoever had the most victory points at the end wins. And we're all in space, and it's a whole this story. It's this great storyline. And there's also some issues as well. For example, there's uh, we got to keep everything from getting overly polluted. And that was a lot of what we had to do was talk about how we can get the pollution down. Uh, and, and then also there was this idea that possibly these aliens might be invading. So... Yeah. So Jeff, let's 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 get to what happened here. First of all, uh we were the white team. We had a wolf on our on our logo. And I think 
our general approach was let's win, we but let's not be jerks about it. That's kind of how I was going. <laughs> Same here. Like you could, there, there's a lot of ways to approach these kind of games, and I, I don't think we're overly aggressive people, and I don't think Eric is either. And he was very confused overall about how the game was going, and we were all new to it, so we just thought, you know, we'll play it and go along. So at the high table, my kind of approach was be, you know, be be assertive, but don't be, uh don't be a jerk. So if I have a chance to win something, I'll do it, but I would rather do stuff for the greater good. And I made that argument. I said to people, look, we should all do this. No one's going to get victory points, but it will help everyone overall. And if people weren't on board with that, I'd be like, okay, then I have no choice but to think of our own self-interest. And I was very honest and upfront. And But a lot of things, unfortunately, made our team seem very suspicious. Uh, the first of which being that I talk a lot during these things and I become suspicious. <laughs> The second thing was, before the game even started, like a day or two before, Jeff, what happened to Eric Summer? He got a black envelope uh, that the uh, people said, make sure you bring this with you. Uh, So he brought it with him. And it was a part of a super weapon. Yes. (laughs) Not um, suspicious at all. No. No. And over the course of the game, other people started winning these pieces and trading them to us because we weren't sure what it was. And then we were told, now that we had all these pieces, can you please try to assemble it into something on the on our table? And they said you had to do it out in the open. And we're looking at our table, and we have what is essentially a super weapon. And, yeah. and everyone comes over, and they're like... And, and and someone from the green team is just like, they have a super weapon, guys. Check out the super weapon. And, <laughs> and we're looking around, we're like, oh, man, this looks really bad. Because it's very clear at some point that they're, that one of the teams is a traitor team. Yeah. And and it wasn't and, us. <laughs> the uh, person from the green team that uh, uh, shouted out, hey, we have a super weapon. That was actually Hunter from Two Player Showdown. Oh, okay. Of uh, Board Game Blender. So Hunter was loudly shouting that uh, we that we have a super weapon and that everyone should come by and look at it. Uh, yeah. So, and then, so, so there's several things that made this incredibly, incredibly bizarre. So we never said, "Oh, hey, let's be a like an okay team and try to win, but not be jerks." That's just how I am- immediately went into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeremy was our area control guy and he was being super aggressive on that map uh, uh of which i make no apologies for because if that's what he does do it because we told him too we just like we're just like go for it man and he did and he made a lot of enemies up there because i think he was <laughs> he was just like encroaching and attacking and and i think green messed him up at some point and he came back like like bitter and angry he's like the green people just did this i'm like then crush them it was just kind of like he got really into it so suddenly our let's be nice thing kind of started fading a bit but we also didn't know so when i'm sitting in the high council trying to say stuff and they're like no white do you even know what you're doing on that board in there i'm like no they're like you guys are being really aggressive i'm like oh well in that case (laughs) (laughs) well shoot and so there was a lot of like questions so Tom's team, they were the purple team, right? Yes, they were. 
Tom Vassell's purple team was being really weird and, and sketchy. They were like siding with us a bunch on and my team and and they were just lent, secretly lending me stuff to help bid on things and I didn't know what their plan was. I was convinced from the get-go that green was evil. <laughs> um, I was. And we all, and every team started thinking this too cuz we would talk to other teams and they were like I don't like the the green person they're being really weird. I think there's something crazy going on. So we were all kind of like, yeah, green, not good. And I really thought that they were, and they were not. And uh, so who, who were the bad guys? Um, they were the black team, a.k.a. Z's team. So what happened was when I found this out was at the last round of, of the game, we were all negotiating, we were all talking to each other, we were like, man, uh, the red and yellow teams, they're really working, to red, yellow, and blue, they're really working together, so we have to work together. So I, I was the one that initiated the negotiations with the other teams, and I said, hey, we should have, what we should do is we should have everyone pull all the, uh, our resources together and outbid them and make sure that they don't get squat. So, I had a feeling that if I said give them to me, that they would not go for it. As much as I was being like, okay, fair, being nice and everything, they wouldn't trust me. So I said, hey, let's give it to the black team. Because he, they were being nice, they were being alright. And then, after he got everything, we won the bid. He split everything up. He took everything and walked away. And we were all just like, that son of a... Mm. Yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. It was bad. And then that's where I confused uh, Eric because I came back a little sheepish, but it was just like, I was just like, we just got screwed. Eric specifically mentioned you in the podcast where, yes, one, of, where one of the teammates came back looking a little sheepish because he lost all the money. <laughs> yeah. And um, So after they found out we had a super weapon on the high table, actually one of someone th – there was a moment where I definitely – I think everyone in the game noticed where I shouted, what, incredibly loudly – because somebody somewhere accused me of something, our team of doing something. Uh, uh, I don't remember what it was, but it was it was preposterous. Like it, re it really was. And I think that was just part of the whole thing. I think like because because what, what the people running the game will do is they'll come over and they'll like whisper things to you and like here's some information your team just found out. White's doing something crazy over there, and and uh, and and after the super weapon thing, after they found the super weapon, they they voted to pass sanctions on us, and I. I and I, they were like they're like they're like white. You have a couple. You you have a couple seconds to give a defense. And I'm like, well, in our defense, we didn't know it was a super weapon. <laughs> and, so, and they were like, they were like, they were like we're sanctioning you. Oh, we, I don't know what it meant to get sanctioned, but it made me sad. So, <laughs> and then um, you know, there was no way our team was winning. We didn't. We weren't anywhere close to first, but we were nowhere near the end either. We're kind of in the middle, probably closer to the end. Mm. But we did have a specific victory, and what was that, Jeff? We blew up the aliens. Yeah, that's awesome. Die Coke victory. <laughs> the aliens were invading, and we had a chance to to attack them, 
and every team that wanted to could support us. And at first, everyone thought we were evil, and then they realized we were actually going to blow the aliens up. So everyone sided with us except for Black Team. They opposed us, but we ended up blowing up the aliens anyway. So we had a Diet Coke victory, like Jeff said. It was a moral victory. So that was uh, that was interesting. So, Jeff, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, I absolutely loved it. Uh, the first time I was actually uh, introduced to a mega game was when uh, another uh, board game uh, media group, Shut Up and Sit Down, uh, released a video of them playing Watch the Skies. And ever since I saw that, I was really interested in giving one a try. And then Future Tense came up, and they said it was shorter than the others. And I was like, holy crud, we have to play this. This sounds amazing. And then the Dicera guys, that was just... That was just icing on the cake for me. Yeah, that that made it a lot. Uh, that was really an attractive part of doing this too. I I liked it. It was incredibly stressful. <laughs> um, it was like a fun stressful, and it went by so quickly. I don't know if I would necessarily do one again, even that short, because it is a lot of time that you could be doing some other games in. But under the right circumstances, I could definitely, you know, I'd have to play it by ear, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed our teammates. I think Ashley and Jeremy were great. Uh, I loved working there with Eric, uh, playing that game with him. That was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. Yeah. If anything, if I w- if I was to do something different, I would have pressed more to get some more uh, of the influence, the stuff that I that you use during my game, but also during the area control, because I was barely able to. Uh, situate myself to get any kind of resources so uh, next time if there is the next time well I'm really jealous of you guys too so what what do you think about how this all sounds I think it sounds super fun and I was sad not to join um, but I had some other games that I wanted to play and I had my friends coming up um, so I wanted to play with them too so it just didn't work out for me this last time, but I definitely am interested in doing it next Dice Tower. Um, how was it? I mean, when I think of playing a game with, I mean, how many people were playing this game? 40? Yeah, there were like 40. Um, when you think about playing games with strangers, you never know. Most of the time, it's amazing and wonderful and great. Um, but there's those rare occasions where you have that one person that is just super competitive and just negative and just... Um, very controlling when you have 40 people and most of them are strangers (laughs) um did you run into that more often were there a lot of players that it just kind of drained some of the energy from the groups or did you feel like everyone was super into it in a good way and it was you know so the interesting thing about that is i thought our team was a great combination Personally, and I think I saw this happening everywhere. Maybe a dominant personality came out in every team, but it was also kind of, it just seemed like everyone kind of sort of really meshed well with the group they were in for the most part. So uh, Ashley and Jeremy were a lot of fun and uh, Eric was, you know, there to really try something new. So, and we were all, we were all kind of new to it. I don't think Ashley and Jeremy had done it before. So we were all kind of like, we, we, we were all kind of on the same page, so it worked out really well. And we were the, we were just there to have fun and kind of what's going on. The green team, 
I was the guy who was I was playing the green team. He and I were sitting right in the middle because we knew those were the power seats. He's been playing those. I I, I wish I got his name. He uh, he was really into it, and uh, he would sell it and he would act and he would. Uh, he said that's all he does when he goes there. He just plays mega game after mega game. Oh, wow. That was his thing. And Green was like that. Green seemed very kind of like sneaky and aggressive. They were very Slytherin-ish, I think. Um, yeah. And then, which is why I think I suspected them of being kind of not all all there, but they were. So but that worked well for them. Tom's approach was for the purple team. Tom Vassell's approach was to kind of role play as they just since nothing since. He could do whatever he wanted to. He he said in the podcast that he just wanted to be evil without actually being evil. So he would sow lies like amongst the groups. He would say one thing to one group and say the opposite to the other. And for the record, I ended up picking up on that near the end when I heard two different things. And I'm like, wait a minute. And by then it was too late and their <laughs> and their evil had been sown. But I think everyone there was was perfectly fine. And I think playing your oh, own yeah. game separately from everyone lets you come out of your shell in a certain way. You can play the game you want because you're being competitive with other people. And you come back to your team, you know these people are on your side. Yeah, definitely. I tend to be... Uh, I don't tend to be aggressive or that assertive. So it was, it was actually a perfect fit for me, this game, because... I actually started talking with the people and was like, oh, okay. And then it's like, oh, these people are plotting against me. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. We were I'm trying to work together with everyone. It's like, oh. That happened with me too. Yeah. Kind of like. Yeah. Because it was like a social deduction game. So it was like, am I lying to you? Is there anything else you want to talk about with this, Jeff? Other than I had a really good time with it. And that I'd definitely do it again. Uh, nah, nothing much, really. Before we head out, I want to talk real quick about Ixalan. Ixalan is the newest magic set that will be pre-released next week. Next weekend, uh, September 22nd, 23rd, 24th. Uh, and then actually officially released the weekend after that. So Ixalan is a what the, what's called a tribal set, just like Commander. It's focused on different groups. And... They're all competing for the same goal, and I am super pumped for this set. Jeff. Dinosaurs! Jeff, I can't even I can't uh, even yeah. handle how pumped I am for this. So which is based on pre-Columbian Mexico and South America. With dinosaurs. And with dinosaurs. With dinosaurs, Jeff. <laughs> Emily, I don't think you understand. There are dinosaurs in this set. And they're they're correct dinosaurs, not the Jurassic Park ones. They have feathers. feathers. And they're awesome. So you have, so w just like the story of El Dorado, there is a lost city on this continent of Ixalan called Orozca, which has a hidden treasure called the Immortal Sun, and all these factions want to get it. You have the, uh, the merfolk, which are called the River Heralds. They're green and blue, and they're trying to keep people away from it. Uh, along with them are the... Um, what are they called here? The Sun Empire, which are these kind of mm -hmm. like they're the ones who are supposed to be the indigenous people. They they dress in that kind of classic Aztec, pre-Columbian Mexican clothing and armor, and they ride dinosaurs. They ride dinosaurs. they ride the dinosaurs, and they're trying to stop the invaders, which are based on Spanish conquistadors, which is really cool. It basically, it's this very 
sort of medieval or, or late medieval kind of enlightenment era Cortez-ish Catholic church based vampires that are coming from over the sea to invade the land. And they've got those weird, cool helmets that conquistadors do. And they've got those, you know, like short little mustaches and beards and that, that, that kind of dress and everything. And they want that treasure as well. And then finally, my other favorite thing, the final faction are the brazen coalition, which are pirates, just Lots Fun. of pirates. And so pirates and dinosaurs were somehow combined with vampires and 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 uh merfolk and just I'm I'm like dying here. I'm sorry. So it's merfolk, pirates, dinosaurs, and vampires? Basically, yes. yes. Nice. I love how uh wizards is coinciding this with their D&D release, Tomb of Annihilation, which is also basically Mesoamerican dinosaurs, zombies. That's amazing. I didn't know that. That is. Gotta pick up that book. (laughs) Is it a book? It is a book. It's, uh... I think it's actually coming out pretty soon. In a week or two, I think. Uh, I will probably be there at midnight next Friday playing this although i'm not even sure i have time to but i I must i must because dinosaurs and pirates man i just oh i forgot the last coolest part one of the main characters in the story and who has her own card is a gorgon which is my favorite greek mythological monster called vraska and she's a she's one of my favorite characters in the game and she, she finds herself there as well and so she becomes a pirate captain and she's leading all these pirates and I'm just, I'm falling over. I'm actually on the ground right now, like, writhing in, in just <laughs> sheer excitement over this. <laughs> yeah. And I absolutely love how usually vampires are black or red. Mana colors. This is the first time that they've actually introduced vampires in the uh, white mana symbols. Purely white mana, not, like, combined with black with the uh things like that so it's it just seems really interesting with where they're going all the dinosaurs are white green and red all the merfolk are blue and green which i think is interesting to put the merfolks in green but i think it makes sense yeah i think they did that first in uh uh what was the set uh lorwyn oh okay i didn't know i didn't realize that I wasn't around for Lorwyn. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I wasn't playing then. Oh, that was a fun set. And then the pirates are the evil colors of Grixis. All I'm thinking of is Eric. Um, <laughs> blue, <laughs> blue, black, and red, which is which makes complete sense, which is perfect. And uh, and and so they're they're this is this is exciting. Emily, you want to come with me next weekend, or are you busy? I might. Yes, let's do it. We'll we'll we'll, we'll either do it's midnight. on Friday. Well, they do it all weekend, so if okay. midnight on Friday doesn't work for you, which it should, uh, we can <laughs> we can go at any point during the week that it can fit in there. So yeah, yeah, I think those are like the perfect uh, places to learn magic, really, because everyone is introduced to the new pile, and it's not like you have everything where you can get all the best cards. You have a limited pool, so it's very cool trying to build a deck from there. I love building the sealed decks of pre-release. See, limited is my that's my jam. I did a uh, 
Seal Draft for the last course set, I believe. Uh, Magic 15, I think. Well, that was a while ago. Yeah. yeah, that was a while ago. But uh, it it was the... No, Magic Origins was the last one. But uh, I did one for Magic 15, which had the uh, that huge uh, Planeswalker, uh, the Garrick Planeswalker, who was green and black. Oh, yeah. I I opened him. <laughs> it was amazing. I loved the deck. There's nothing like opening up a freaking bomb card, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. My whole entire deck was stalling to get him out and then just flooding the board with his stuff. All right, uh, that's everything for this time. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to talk about, please contact us at geekenspiel at gmail.com. That is G-E-E-K-U-N-D-S-P-I-E-L. And also you can just look at the way the podcast is spelled. I know it's it's long, but I like it. I like it, okay? Again, I'm Jacob. I'm Jeff. And I'm Emily. And we will catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.